Good morning. Welcome to Parkwood this morning. Got your Bibles? Turn with me to Galatians 6. As we finish up our expositional series through the book of Galatians, we've looked at every verse and we come now to Paul's closing. Paul picks up the pen and pens his closing to us and to the churches. And so let's, let's hear from the Lord today what he has for the churches. So Galatians 6, verse 11. Stand with, your, with me in reverence to God's word. Verse 11. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it to me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. By which the world has been crucified to me and out of the world. For neither circumcision nor for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word. And Lord, as we read, we can feel the, both the passion and the love and the genuine concern that Paul has for the churches. Lord, we bear his concern for the church. And so, Lord, may we determine here, as far as his concern for us, we will boast only in you in your Son, in His cross, and the sufficiency of it to place us in right standing before you, Lord. Is this not us saying this by why we pray? We come into your holy name by which we have no right to come. Save the cross of Christ. So Lord, we have much to be thankful for. And Lord, we have much to boast in. But Lord, help us to not boast in ourselves. So help us now, we pray as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as, as you get your text now, look at verse 11 and understand. And normally the way scripture was worked is, whether it's the Old Testament into the Paul's letters, Paul is not sitting there writing this letter out. He's dictating it. And someone else is writing it. And so at this point in the closing, and Paul does this often, he takes the hand from the one who's writing the letter and he writes the closing himself. This is what he's doing. This says several things. Just imagine you were there at the church when he first got the letter and you're reading this and it's penned a certain way and you get to the closing. It's going to be penned differently as Paul himself picks it up and finishes the letter. It not only goes to authenticity, but it also goes, this is important. This is this is all in caps, so to speak, if we were typing it. 
Paul's concerned. There's a lot at stake here. They're at a critical moment in the history of the church. So the gospel is at stake. Their faith is at stake. And Christianity itself is under attack here in the church. You see, there's only two things this morning. There's only two ways. There's only, we all have a ministry. When we're saved, God gives you one. You need to understand that God gives you a ministry. doesn't matter who you are, no matter what age you are. If He saves you, He gives you one. And either you will have a cross-centered, a Christ-centered ministry, or you will have a man-centered ministry. Man-centered ministry exhausts himself. And so verse 14 helps us. It focuses us. This is the main point in his closing. He wants, he wants them to hear. He wants us to hear verse 14. But far be it to me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. This word boast here means to glory in. means to make much of. It means literally to be consumed with or mastered by. It can even mean to rejoice in. If you ask me when I was 16, 17, 18, what's the best thing about your life right now? You know, just tell me about what's the greatest. You know what I just said? It was my 1978 Bronco. Oh, I love that thing. It was awesome. As Steve understands, had a 351 Cleveland in it, geared low, that thing could climb a tree. It was the metallic blue. Oh, it was nice. I love that truck. Got, as, I, as I got out on my own, I started having to put gas in that five-mile-a-gallon thing, and all of a sudden, I didn't boast in it as much anymore. This is what he's saying. He said, listen, I'm only going to boast in one thing, nothing of myself and nothing in this life, only the cross of Jesus Christ. And the people that's reading that would have to be saying, a cross? Are you kidding? I mean, that's a, it's an implement of torture. But you see, it wasn't just any cross. It was the cross of Jesus Christ. It was the person on the cross. That's the focus. I'm only going to boast in that. I'm only going to be consumed with it. I'm only going to be mastered by it. I'm only going to glory in that. Nothing else. So as we close this letter, we need to be reminded of what we were at the beginning of the letter. Is, is Christianity fundamentally, is it fundamentally about what we do or about what God has done? And so we... We end where we start. And so, we want to look at two things this morning. Which we need to boast only in Christ alone, which means we only need to rejoice in two things. What Christ has done for us and what Christ has done to us. He's done for us something on the cross that we could not have done for ourselves. And He's done something to us in making us a new creation. We want to look at both of those things this morning. So let's look first. Verse 12. It said, It is for those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. It's a danger here. Just like it is in today. A crossless Christianity. A gospel with no repentance. What is that? Because it's not a, the gospel in Scripture. If you go to a church for three weeks and you don't hear the word repent, you need to be concerned. Because there's no gospel without this. There's no gospel without the cross. There's no gospel without repent and put your faith in Christ. There's no gospel without lordship. These are critical. This is what's at stake. Remember the Galatians were mostly a Gentile group of people. And what had come into the church was Judaizers, a Jewish group of people. 
who has said, yeah, 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 you can have Jesus, but you need to be circumcised as well. In other words, what they were saying is, you need to be like me. You can have you, Jesus, but you're not like me. I've been circumcised. I've been, I keep the ceremonial law. I even still, I'm, you need to even eat this way. This is about self-glorification. They're not only, they're first boasting in their flesh. Verse 12. But that's not all. Verse 13, look at it. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised. Listen, that they may do what? They may boast in your flesh. They're not only boasting in what they're doing, they're boasting in what they can make you do. So what's at stake? I want you to see this. Galatians 2.21. So he's just sort of reviewing things he's already written in his letter. But I want you to see this. This is sobering. To any, anyone or any belief system that adds a work to grace. Galatians 2.21 says, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. He says, what's at stake in the, in the, in the Galatians' life is, is grace. Because if you add one work to grace, you have not grace. If this is what's at stake. A crossless Christianity is no Christianity at all. But the, he gets to not only that, he gets to this. What's their motive? You see, a cross is not something you're supposed to escape. But there's not a person in this world that wouldn't try to escape one if they knew it was coming. His way of saying, these Judaizers, they got a motive. Look at it, end of verse 12. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. That's their motive. Yeah, they want self-glory. That's their first one. Their ultimate one is what? Self-preservation. They know what it's going to cost them. They want to escape persecution. They want to escape being identified with the cross. Here's what he's saying. You don't identify with the cross, you don't have Christ. Christ comes with the cross. Yes, grace is free. It is a free gift, but it comes with the cross. Paul tells Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.12, this very clearly. Christian, uh, Christians are not consumed with self-glory, and they're not consumed with self-preservation. Indeed, 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus will be what? Persecuted. This is what comes with it. comes with the cross. And so, this is, this is why the gospel is so clear. This is why we boast in the cross, because when we do, it brings both gospel clarity and it also brings worldly separation. This is where it separates. Verse 14, But far be it to me to boast except in the cross of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, by which I have been crucified to me and I to the world. And he's already said this in Galatians 2, 19-21, very clearly. Let's flip back and look there. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me 
and gave himself for me. So what does this tell us? What kind of gospel clarity does this bring? He says the cross, the cross brings me to, to this reality. It's what the whole letter's been saying. The law? The law wasn't meant to save. The law was meant to reveal. The law simply points out the problem. It says this is God's character and you don't keep it. But it was never meant to save. It cannot save. Matter of fact, what does the law do? The law condemns. It condemns us. It doesn't save us. So the cross then makes us come to this reality. That the law condemns me. The law can't save me. I must put my faith in Christ. He must do the work. I can't do it. I stand under condemnation of a holy God. So when I die with Him on that cross, we are raised to live by faith. And this brings a separation. This is what he's saying at the end of verse 14. I've been, the world's been crucified to me and I to the world. He's already said this in Galatians 2. I've been crucified with Christ. And notice verse, Galatians 2.19 says he lives to God. Then Galatians 2.20 says he lives by faith. What does that look like? It means that I live with this reality. He loves me. How do I know he loves me? How do I know Christ loves me? The cross. He died for me. What a piece to live by faith. To boast only in the cross. What we got, we got through singing about this morning. The whole worship service before I preached was simply us coming together and boasting to the cross. We boast in this. I already said this in the letter too. Galatians 5.24. It says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. So because I died with Christ on the cross, now I actively crucify the sin that still indwells in me. The old eye is dead. The new eye is radically cross-centered. It's what we focus on. It's what we trust in. And so the cross is not about escaping. It's about boasting in it. That's what he's saying. But far be it to me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ with glory in it. That's what Psalm's doing. Psalms 44. We're about to land in Psalms here in a, in a few weeks, and we're going to be there for a while once we do. <coughs> Psalms 44, verse 8. In God we have boasted continually, and we will give thanks to your name forever. So do we boast? Are we supposed to glory? Are we supposed to be consumed with something? Yes. But only in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's what the psalmist said. I will boast in God and Him alone. I will glory and make much of Him as purpose of my life. So what does it mean? What does it mean to boast only in the cross? As I thought about this and worked on the sermon, got, when I, we were singing, every one of these things, pretty much, we, we've just got through singing. Boasting the cross means that we boast in the fact that we place our confidence in Christ alone and not ourselves for our salvation. That's good news. It's not something I have to earn. And since I don't earn it, I don't have to keep it. God keeps me. It's good news. God accepts me. I boast in that. Because of the work of His Son, He accepts me. Christ lived perfectly because I couldn't live perfectly. He lived perfectly in my place. 
He died the death I should have died. He paid the full debt on that tree. There's no debt. There's no debt. There's none left. He paid it. You see, the Bible gives us this picture, this image of a cup. And the cup is full of wrath. It's full of wrath because of God's judgment, God's condemnation for our sin. That wrath is what I deserved. I should have drank the cup. And instead, Christ did. And so you know what's in the cup now? Blessing. It's a cup of blessing. I've been united to Christ. And since I've been united with Christ, I come together and gather together and celebrate the fact that we have been united with Christ and we've been united to Him and His church. Because of that, I boast in the fact that I am dead to the world. And all of its claims on my life, past, present, future, it matters not what I've done in this life in the past. Because now Christ has forgiven me, it is gone, it is paid. And now I am, second point, a new creation. I need to boast in these things. I need to be reminded of these things. We not only rejoice, listen, to what Christ done for us on the cross. We need to rejoice. We need to boast in Christ alone for what Christ has done to us. He does something to you. Not just for you. Praise the Lord for us. But He changes us. This is what He's saying in verse 15. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. You see, it wasn't the new creation that dawned. It dawned at the cross. For, look at the word for. You see in verse 15? For neither circumcision. For links the verse to verse 14. Remember, the verse numbers is something that we added later. For connects it. It's connected to boasting in Christ. To not boasting in your flesh. He said for circumcision nor uncircumcision. Whether what you've done in the flesh or what you haven't done. It, none of it matters. What matters is what Christ has done to you. And this is new. You see the law and circumcision was the old age. And, and listen, this is the point. We, we just said this. The law. It, it, can't, it can't get to the heart of my issue. What's the heart of my issue? My nature. It can't fix that. I sin because I desire to sin. The law points it out that, hey, you're an idolater. <laughs> no matter how many things we do or what we say, put you in judgment, come out two years later, two weeks later, what are you doing? Complaining, worshiping at foreign idols. There's a problem. The law and circumcision couldn't fix it. Cross inaugurates a new age. The cross fixes it. And it fixed it through the Holy Spirit. I want you to see this, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. I wanted to start at verse 17, but it's hard to start at the therefore. Because you're supposed to look back and see what it's there for. And so let's look at verse 14. That's almost, you end up back at, the, when you do that in your personal life, you end up back at the beginning of the book, <laughs> beginning of the letter. Instead of going, I've got to get this in context. But let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.14. I want you to see this new. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised 
From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him thus no longer. Verse 17, Therefore, because of this, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against Him, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, because of this, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. For our sake He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin. Why? So that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, the Judaizers had failed to see this. This is what was at stake. That the old was gone and that the new had come. That the old's purpose was to point to Christ. They failed to see it. That's what's so important about verse 15. That what's made new is you. He's done it for us. But Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, at salvation, does something to us. And listen, this is good news. Romans 2. Flip with me to Romans 2. This is no longer a Jewish thing. And this should be clear in the Old Testament. God chose Abraham, and He didn't choose anybody else. Sobering, should be, was for the Canaanites. He's pointing to something. He's pointing to Christ. He's pointing to the cross. He's pointing to something new, that there's no longer a Jewish thing. This is a Christ thing. So now, who is the circumcision? What really matters? It's not the circumcision of the body that distinguishes a follower of Christ. It is, some, it is the circumcision of the heart. Verse 28, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But listen, listen. But a Jew is one outwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. The new creation is the, the birth of the Spirit. An inward, invisible miracle of God done to you. This is new. But listen, it was pointed to. It was Ezekiel 36, verse 22. I love this passage. Because it is radically God-centered. God's boasting in Himself here. Just look at the words. I'm going to emphasize it. I want you to see it. Who else is God going to boast in? <laughs> Somebody else? He wouldn't be God. Look, listen to this. It's a... This is pointing towards something. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it's not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all countries and bring you into your old land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. Verse 26, listen. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. 
and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Brothers and sisters, this pointed to Jesus Christ when He came and lived a perfect life and He died a self a wrath-absorbing, self-atoning death. And He raised from the dead and He sent His Spirit into His people. And when someone is saved, God puts a new spirit within them. This is new. You see, the good news is Jesus is the center of history. He is. He's what it all pointed to. He's the head of His church. This is the point, you see. Jesus came on a mission. He chose 12 men and poured His life into. And He stood on a... We're going to talk about that next week and said, all authority has been given to Me. Go make disciples. Who is He talking to? We're going to talk about that next week. But here's who He's talking to. Because listen, look at verse 16. The church is the Israel of God. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Now, that's a crazy thing to say to Gentiles. Unless there's something new. <laughs> so what's the context of the whole letter? This is not the first time he's doing it. He's talking to Gentiles. He's saying there's a condition here. Of peace and mercy. And it's not something in your flesh. It's no longer your ethnicity. That's what he said in Ephesians 2. Turn with me to that. I want you to see it. Ephesians 2 verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles, talking to us, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision, by which is called the circumcision, which is... Made in the flesh by hands. Verse 12. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once who were far off have been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ. So whether you are Jew or Gentile, whether you are slave or free, whether you are circumcised or uncircumcised, there is one way given among men by which you must be saved, and it's Jesus cross and his Jesus Christ and his cross. There's no other way. The cross of the Christ joins us with Old Testament believers who look forward to the cross and we look back on it. This is what Philippians has said. Philippians 3 3 said, tells us who the true circumcision are. Turn with me and look at it. It's important. This is a clear message from Paul. For we are the circumcision. Three things. What marks those that are in Christ? Who worship by the Spirit of God. Who glory in Christ Jesus. And those who put no confidence in the flesh. They are the true circumcision. Galatians 3.29, he says it clearly. And if you're in Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. Heirs according to the promise. That we who are Gentiles, who are not Jew by lineage, are, are part of the covenant by faith in Christ. You see, Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant pointed to Christ. Paul has told us that it was fulfilled in Christ. And so, the church is not only the Israel of God. The church lives by this rule. Verse 16. 
And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, upon the Israel of God. This word here, rule, is the word that we get the word canon. The canon of Scripture. It is our reference point. It is our measuring rod. It's the surveyor's line. It's what gives us direction. So he's saying, what is for the believer, the church, the Israel of God, that which gives us direction? It's two things. The cross of Christ and what He did for us and the new creation of what He did to us. On this we, we must keep it front and center and we must let no one, especially the false teachers that are in there, this was His concern, that they're going to take off the preeminence of the cross and put themselves in its place. This is conditional. Do you see it? Conditional blessing. The cross and the new creation bring something. It brings peace and mercy. And without it, it does not bring it. How can the church be sure of God's mercy and blessing? How can we have peace and unity amongst ourselves and each other as our family? Only through Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And only understanding that it is the power of God in people to change lives. There is no one outside of God's supernatural work that He cannot change them. But it comes one way. Through the gospel. We declare Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It is the Holy Spirit that saves and brings new life. We don't do that. So we must exalt what Christ exalts. His cross. We must prioritize it into our life. And listen, what He ends with. And Paul ends here. And so we need to end here too. Is You need to understand that boasting in Christ causes real consequences. It does. Look at verse 17. It says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble. For I bear the body, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. So first, we need to understand just in simple application today that trouble from without really needs to be expected. Listen to what he's not saying. I bear, I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. He's, he's not saying he has a Jesus tattoo. That's not what he's saying. I'm not knocking tattoos. People, people use them as gospel bridges and they're wonderful. I'm not saying that. I'm, that's not his point. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, I bear on my body the scars from boasting in Christ alone. He gave us a list. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four. You really need to see this. Because as a Christian, Jesus tells us to deny ourselves and do what? Take up our cross and follow Him. Paul gives us a little snapshot of what it costs for him to follow Christ and boast in, boast in the cross. Listen to what he says. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 24. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from all these things, there is a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? Am I not weak? Who is made to fall? Am I not indignant? Verse 30. If, same word here. 
If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weaknesses. Boast in my weaknesses. These things help me do what? Gives God more glory. In other words, this is what he's saying. This is his point. His point's not even the marks or scars that are on him. He said, that just comes. We should expect it. Here's what he's not. He said, I shouldn't expect. I shouldn't expect to be attacked and be rejected by the church. This is what's at stake. These false teachers are beginning to scoff at him, are beginning to diminish him, the messenger of God. And he says, I expect to be attacked by those from without. But I should never be caused trouble from my own brothers and sisters in Christ. So trouble from within should be expected. Trouble from within should be rejected. We should expect it from without, but we should reject it from within. This is why we have nothing to do with those who stir up discord amongst the brethren. God hates it, and we should. Why? Because it diminishes His glory. It clouds the cross. It makes us man-centered instead of God-centered. And it denies the power of the new creation to make us more selfless and not more selfish. The growth group lesson, lesson this week is in Philippians 3, 17. Good lesson. Looking forward to being part of a growth group. I hope you are. Let's just read it. Philippians 3, 17. I want you to see this. This is a sobering message of Paul. You need to hear Paul writing this with some tears in his eyes. Brothers, join, me, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Listen to verse 18. There's a contrast here. For many of whom I have told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Their glory is their, in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Why is he crying over these people? Because they used to be part of us. But you see, Jesus Christ and His cross causes a separation. Those who live for Christ and those who live for themselves. Those who treasure Christ above all things and those who treasure the world above all things. And the cross separates that. He's making a contrast because in verse 20 he says, But our citizenship... Those who follow Christ, those who boast in Christ alone, but our citizenship is heaven. From, from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, this is all new here he's waiting for. It's more new coming. Verse 21, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. You see, the cross reveals our God. It is either Christ or it is ourselves. Here's what those who boast in Christ alone, we're waiting for something. And it's new. Our bodies aren't just to be cast aside. We put our bodies in the ground by faith. Why? Because God's word says one day he will raise our bodies up and he will glorify this one. And it will be new. And we will worship him in our glorified bodies without sin, without his presence. And we will worship his name. In His presence. We look forward to that day. And so He ends this letter the same way He began it. He ends it with grace. 
He ends it with grace. He, he started at Galatians 1, 3 to 5, says, Grace to you and peace from my God our Father. Matter of fact, he goes on in verse 4 and 5 to start with the cross. He delivers us from this present age to the cross. What he started the letter with. And in verse 18, he says, The grace of Lord Jesus be with you. With your spirit. As we close, look up, look up to the screen. Jeremiah 9.23. This is just the truth this morning. As we look at verses 23 to verse 24. Let's listen to what it says. Thus says the Lord. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. So, what are you boasting in? There, there's just a list that gets most any of us, and especially the culture in which we live. There is a danger that we can teach our children that this world has something to offer better than Christ. And we do it by how we live. We do it by what we prioritize in our life. Education is good, but if it's simply a means to achieve the American dream, it could damn your children, not save them. We must prioritize Jesus Christ and Him crucified, that even our wisdom, even our education is to be used to bring glory to His name. That's the purpose of it. That's why God gives it to us. We don't need, you can go to anywhere in this world. You can go to the poorest country on the face of the earth and you will find this little God of control, power, and strength alive and well. It says, we don't boast in these things. We don't boast in the God of comfort and ease. This is what's at stake this morning. What are we going to boast in? We objectively see it by how we live. Verse 24. But let him boast, boast in this. This is, and we're going to end here. That he understand and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. So you know one way that we can test ourselves at the end of this letter. Whether we are God-centered or man-centered is how we read and try to apply this verse. Am I instantly looking for something about me, something that I can discover about me and apply to my life, or am I first looking to say, what can I see in verses 24 about God? What am I boasting in? Look at it. That He knows me. It's the best thing about he can say about you is that, that, that I know God. That God is this. God says, I practice these things. I live, a, I, I live, I act according to my character. And this looks like steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. And look what he says. For in these things I delight. And so how do I know that I'm Christ-centered? It's with when I read this, I'm sitting there going so... God is love, justice, and righteousness. And because of the cross, I'm in Him now. And I want to do. The only way I know to bring Him glory is to do what I see Him doing. And so then, that means that a child of God is going to be steadfast love, 
He's going to be, he's going to abide with people. He's not going to leave when the going gets tough. He's going to stay and love people unconditionally. He's going to bring justice to bear. And he's going to be holy. Why? Because this was delights God. So this is the purpose of my life. Brothers and sisters, Paul ends this letter saying, never forget the grace of the cross. It's how we center ourselves. Never forget. The only reason that I, I love to be, to love other people, the only reason that I love justice, that I seek righteousness, is because of something that God did in me. What do I have to boast in? Because it's all from grace. Brothers and sisters, it is grace in this letter from beginning to end, and it is grace in our life from beginning to end. And so, Lord, we love you. We thank you that you give us the canon of Scripture. We thank you for Galatians, how it's affected us in very personal, even sometimes in painful ways. And so now, Lord, we just want to worship you. Not for anything we get. We want to worship you for who you are. And so, Lord, allow us to make much of you through our voices. Thank you for the gift of music. And so now, Lord, we, we stand and sing this old hymn of the faith gives us the only thing that we must cling to in this life the cross and thank you for one day we will exchange it and so Lord receive our worship now as we stand to our feet in Jesus name stand and sing